everybody, it's Brian. Thanks for tuning in. If you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce, South King, or Snohomish County, please check out John Hurlbutt and his team over at Altitude Homes. John's an old friend and someone I know you can trust. He will also donate $500 to Ben's Fund for every closed transaction. I know how hard it is to find a real estate agent who has your best interests in mind. John can be that guy for you and benefit a great cause to boot. Check them out on the web at altitude-re.com hb. Again, altitude-re.com hb. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. That's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Welcome to the 58th episode of Real Hawk Talk. Uh, I'm Brian Nemhauser, uh, aka at HawkBlogger on Twitter, and it's uh, it's great to be back. Uh, it's been a little while. We've kind of been uh, doing the every other week thing during the off season, and a lot's kind of happened since the last time we we were with all of you um, on the free agent front. So we'll dive into that. Uh, there's been some other Seahawks news that's come out around some injuries, about some potential next moves the team's going to make, and obviously the draft is looming. So there's a lot to talk about, but first we got to welcome in the crew. Uh, Evan, uh, you've got your D-baggery earbuds in. Welcome back, dude. Good to see you. Good to see you. I'm sorry, I can't hear you super well. Your sound quality is is super crappy. Maybe you could improve it with some AirPods. Huh. Uh, How about that? It feels like they're just missing something. Like they didn't quite finish the design. Um, are those the new ones, ones maybe? <laughs> I have seen a lot of uh, for sale items of the the old AirPods. Everybody wants the new ones. So uh, uh, are those the new or are those the old? I'm a peasant. These are the first generation. Hey, all right, man. Well, I think that, that I respect that. I respect that. Uh, and then we have got a freshly shorn... Real Jeff Simmons. Uh, I think he is he is trying to look as young as Evan, or at least be the foil to uh, Mr. Ernst. So, uh, how are you doing? Uh, I got a nice clean shave for the first time in months. Um, yeah, I don't know. What, I don't know what the looks going for. I, it, was, it was more of a work thing. But I, I had a meeting. I had to go. To, I had to clean up a little bit. I usually work from home, so. Yeah, dude, you look you look terrific. You look fantastic. You look like you're uh, fresh out of college. So uh, uh, I, you know, encourage you to take take advantage of that in whatever way possible. Um, and then uh, Nathan Ernst, uh, who is not freshly shaven, uh, but you know, still looking like the Nathan we know and love. Uh, how is life in the smelly world of parenting? It's very smelly. We, so we've got a three month old and we're potty training the three year old or the almost three year old. And so it's just poop and pee constantly. <laughs> the three year old marched out of the bathroom yesterday and probably said, uh, I thought it was a toot, but it was a poop. Uh, and, oh. Yeah. So, yeah, all kinds of fun stuff. Is that 
kind of your mantra when when Shadi's calling the offense? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, you know, we're always going to start uh, with high quality uh, personal information like that. So um, welcome back. And if you haven't already, this is a perfect time to remind you, you should be subscribing to the channel to get these kinds of insights into our personal lives, um, as well as, as great Seahawks talk. So subscribe on YouTube, find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, um, SoundCloud, whatever your, your favorite podcasting piece is, as well as you know the blog as well, and uh, we'll find you there. And if you haven't already signed up as a Hawk Blogger patron, um, I would highly recommend doing that. The clock is ticking. So patreon.com slash hawkblogger. We are coming up on the Seahawks auction and patrons will get an opportunity to get a call from uh, various Seahawks. You'll be able to tell me the ones that you want and I will do my best to get you phone calls or tweets or other things from Seahawks players, coaches, uh, alumni, all sorts of great stuff. So. Um, it's a lot of fun, and that's coming up here in a, I don't know, a few weeks from now. So uh, get up there on Patreon.com, and the proceeds go to Benefit Ben's Fund. So it's uh, it's great. Um, all right, uh, and I will definitely be encouraging Pete Carroll to give Evan Hill a call. I think that will uh, that be a really constructive uh, experience, maybe uh, cathartic for, for all parties. Um, we'll, we'll see if we can arrange that, Evan. What would you do if I had Pete Carroll call you? What would you do? I'd ask him to hang up the phone and give me John Schneider, please. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. What would you really do? I would thank him for everything, for making my childhood one of the best sports experiences of my, I, I don't know, I guess the best sports experience of my entire life. And then I would say, relinquish control of the offense, please. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. You would not. You'd, I would tell you'd him. you hang up with him, and then you'd tweet. He should really let go of the offense, or you'd say he should he should leave. You're right. I would pussy out and not say a single negative word to his face. <laughs> That's right. There you go. Way to come come clean. Um. All right. So, uh, guys, uh, there's been a fair amount of moves for the Seahawks. I I can't remember last time we talked. I don't know if they've even had made most of their moves yet. So, um, to recap, uh, we've seen Earl Thomas go. We have seen um, Shamar Stefan go. I don't think any of us were crying about that. We've seen Justin Coleman go, um, you know, go on down the list. Um, uh, and as far as who's uh, re-signed, we've got KJ Wright, who's re-signed, right? We've got Michael Kendricks, who's re-signed. We've added in um, uh, uh, back DJ Fluker uh, has re-signed, and we've added to that Mike uh, Yupati. Um, and kicker, <laughs> is it Jason Myers? Am I right there? Yep, yeah. bingo. Yeah. Um, what else am I missing? Key moves. Let's you said Michael Kendricks? Yeah. Michael Kendricks, did, yeah, he's on there. Okay. So, so let's start there. I'm sure there's some other, uh, other ones we didn't talk about. Um, Starting with you, Evan, uh, let's start with a, a, a grade scale. And let's start with the grading scale, guys, on not what they could have done to avoid some of these situations. Like for Earl, don't think about this as like, you know, what should they have been doing to not be here? But based on when this season ended to where they are right now, 
based on their free agents' goings and comings, what grade would you give them? Evan, let's start with you. I'd probably give them a B plus. Speaking 100% rationally, logically, I don't think uh, we can, we'll get into this, but I, I, I don't think uh, they've really overpaid anybody. You could make the argument for Jason Myers, but the argument, the counter argument I would have to that is that um, it's really only 1.5 two years guaranteed. It's very little guaranteed money. His first year cap it is like one point something. His second year cap it is two cap it is two point something. So they could cut him after year two, and he doesn't really see those four point something, you know, cap hits till year three or year four. And there's absolutely no guarantee he's with the Seahawks. So um, I will strongly defend the Jason Myers contract because kickers have been such a pain in our ass the past several years, whether it be Seabass, uh, Blair Walsh, you know, Joe Schmo on the street, like. We have lost some games due to our due due to missing field goals and missing kicks and mi missing extra points. So I'm really really happy they chose to go out and get one of the top free agent kickers. I know they completely messed up the year before and chose C Bass over Jason Myers, but actually that's one of the most excited positions. I'm happy to see them tackle uh, Michael Kendricks, another great signing, zero guaranteed money. Um, a lot of these a lot of this analysis is based on how these contracts are structured, what type of guarantees are involved. Moving on to KJ Wright, uh, it was reported, at, I believe, as two years, $15 million. But when you look at the contract structure and the guarantees, it's really only a one-year, $5 million deal. And that's and, th and then the year two is we'll see, and it also include, includes playing time escalators. So um, from the KJ standpoint, I actually don't think he sees year two of that deal. Uh, it really feels like a one-year deal to me. Um, JR Sweezy got $4.5 mil per year or was it 3.5 or 4.5 do you guys remember 4.5 Four. Oh, wow that's uh that's way too much money for what i think he brings to the table so happy to let the cardinals pay him um glad we switched him with michael potty for like a three three mil difference i think they're same type of player i think that's a great deal glad they brought back dj fluker dj fluker at 3.5 mil a year that's super solid i think it was maybe it's three or 3.5 i'm off on my numbers but um, I think they got a real steal on DJ Fluker. Uh, who am I missing? Um, Jason, am I missing anybody? I think you Outside? might be, but I think you don't have to cover every single guy. I think that's a, that's a good, uh, to get over. So you got, you got a B plus. And, uh, if you had to pick your, your favorite move, I I'm guessing it's the Jason Myers move. It, it really is. And, it, and it's the optimistic side of me saying, Hey, this position has been such a pain in our ass the last several years. And if Jason Meyer, Jason Myers comes in and builds off of what he did in 2018 and he's either sustains that level or he improves, guess what? We're not going to be sweating our balls off every single time. Our kicker is kicking a field goal. I cannot wait for that minimal stress on Sundays. Now, if Jason Myers shits the bed, then I'm going to have a freak out and a panic attack. And we'll talk about that later. All right, Jeff, um, where are you on? Uh, what's the grade you'd give the Seahawks so far? And uh, maybe what's your favorite move um, that they've made? I'd say they, I'd give them a B. Uh, I think, as Evan mentioned, it's hard to disagree with any of the contracts they handed out, even the Myers one, which is easy to question. It's not too much guaranteed. It's a, not a crazy contract. I know there's some questions whether he can repeat last year's performance, and I'm kind of skeptical he can. But in terms of all the contracts he mentioned, Fluker, Kendricks, right, they're all fair contracts. They're all pretty much outs after year one. 
And I think the best part of what they've done in terms of setting up for the future is they've really managed their comp picks well, which is a mistake we've hampered on a lot. They're set up to have four comp picks right now. Because Maurice Alexander just signed two, they can even sign an outside free agent and still end up with four comp picks. So they're in a pretty good position there. I'd only give them a B rather than a B plus or even an A because they haven't really added much. As we've talked all year about their lack of talent on defense, and really they haven't added much of anything. Barkevius Mingo still on the team, um, still have some holes as a pass rush, defensive tackle. They didn't seem to see safety as a need that we did saw all year. You know, P was raving about safety. He expects a lot of these young guys, Jacob Martin, Delano Hill, maybe these guys to step up. So maybe I would have liked to see them add a little more, and I know they still can. If Nick Perry works out or they can try to find another free agent, they still have room there. Uh, receivers an area I'd like to see them address still, and that might be in the draft. That might be still in free agency. But I think solid B, they've done good contracts. They've helped their team. They haven't done anything stupid, which they have in free agency in the past, and the comp picks are set up really well. I'd say my favorite move is probably DJ Fluker. I thought they might overpay him compared to the value he brought to the team and how much they liked him. And I thought the contract was fair. I think it's set up where it's not too much of a long-term commitment. And I think his pass protection was better last year than it's been in the past. Um, I like Ayupati as a backup plan, but the idea of him and Fluker really scare me from a durability standpoint. It's a really injury-prone group, and Simmons is coming off an injury at guard too. So overall, I'd say B. I know that's a long-winded answer. I'm not blown away. I would have liked them to add some more talent on defense, but they're still the draft, and maybe they go there. How about you, Nathan? Where where are you at? Um, I think I'm at like a B plus. Um, but I agree with a lot of what Jeff just said. I think it's been a pretty solid off season. Um, it's been unspectacular, but they've they've done. They seem to have kind of done everything the right way, right? They didn't overspend on anyone, even though you know the Jason Myers contract is bad. Um. And we can talk about that more in a little bit, but it's not like super damaging or anything like that. Um, if it goes wrong, which, you know, there are, there are reasons to be concerned there, but it, it's not, they didn't spend, it, we're not talking about like $10 million or $15 million, you know, per year contract there or anything like that. So um, protected their comp picks, you know, it would have been nice if they picked up like a Trey Boston or somebody like that, but I'm not going to lose a lot of sleep over a Trey Boston and it's, you know, a good safety class. It's a good wide receiver class. So they have some options in the draft there to address where they still have gaps. So, um, yeah, about a B plus. Um, and I think my favorite was, uh, favorite signing with Ayapati. Um, I think he, if you just kind of look at that as a straight up trade, Ayapati or Sweezy for Ayapati, I think that Seattle got the better of it. Um, it's two, you know, veteran guards with injury issues. Um, I think Ayupati's at least as good as Sweezy um, from the little bit that I went back and watched to him and, you know, uh, considerably cheaper. So uh, I thought that was a, a really solid pickup for them. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that we're all in roughly the same area. So um, uh, I'm at a B, a B plus somewhere in there. So um, I'll, I'll go with, I'll go with B plus because I think there was potential for them to make some crippling moves if they made, you know, if they decided to go big on, on somebody. And, and I think that they kept their powder dry, so to speak, um, and didn't make any really, really dumb moves. I hate the Jason Myers signing. Like uh, I just think the process of that decision is flawed. It's actually already cost them, um, from a comp pick perspective, instead of giving a six, they're going to get a seventh because um, 
Myers contract cancels out uh, Sweezy's. So, um, you know, at least that's that's what uh, over the cap has right now is is the way it's looking. It looks like the Seahawks are in in position to get a three, a four, a six, and a seven. Um, they would have had two sixes, I think, something like that, um, had they not signed Myers. And look, I just that move drives me nuts because I don't think that they're in that much better position to actually uh, avoid bad kicking luck than they were if they had gone a different direction and they took the, spent the money and they uh, had some negative comp pick impact. So, you know, the difference between Jacob Martin and Alex Magoo uh, is real. And that's the difference between a six and a seven potentially. So um, anyway, that was, that was the move I, I liked the least, but um I know everyone else is happy about it and I've been raining on their parade. So I, I, I'll, uh, I'll leave it there. I think that the move that I move that I like best was the Kendricks move. Um, no guaranteed money whatsoever. A player that actually might be overstating it, but it was an impact player when he was on the field for the Seahawks. I think it was their defense was noticeably better when he was out there. His speed made a difference. I think him paired with Bobby Wagner was, uh, interesting considering they were drafted like two picks away from one another or one pick away from one another, something like that um, back in 2012. And there's really no downside from a football standpoint. You could say more morally there's a downside, uh, but uh, you know, if, if it doesn't work out, they'll be an, out no money um, for having done so. And if it does, I think that they've, got a I think a, an upgrade at that position considering he only played a, a handful of games last year so um, that was the move I like best um, I, I'd add that I also as much as I wanted Justin Coleman to stick around I really liked the Seahawks did not bite like I don't think there's a single contract that any Seahawks player uh, free agent has signed with another team that I wish the Seahawks had kept them and signed for that same amount of money um, so yeah, I think this is a responsible uh, offseason so far. And, and I concur, I'd uh, echo what Nathan's saying about Ipati. He probably won't be healthy all season or, like, or for chunks of the season. Fluker will probably miss time. Like that's just looking at recent history. But if they somehow do um, stay on the field, I think that could be one of the best guard tandems that the Seahawks have had in, in a long time. So, um, that's a big deal if that works out. So um, excited about that. Um, so a couple other things that I, I, I think we've talked about on this show that they have not done and what is a little bit concerning to me is um, they've not picked up any help at safety. Like if there is one position that, you know, we talked about in this show, I think there's two positions we talked about in the show, pass rush and adding more pass rush help and adding help at safety were the two. Broadening it out a little farther, we talked about secondary. Um, they have not added a corner, they have not added a safety, and they have not added a pass rusher. So I'm curious, um, Nathan, what, what would it do to your grade if the Seahawks do not add a safety, either through the draft or through free agency heading into next year? I'll be pretty mad if they don't end up adding one through the draft. Um, especially like if they just don't, I mean, I know they have limited picks at this point and stuff like that, but 
to not add one at all, especially from this class. And now the thing with the Seahawks is they tend to go against, go against the grain on class depth. Um, when we say that they have, you know, they drafted uh, Nick Vanette the year before the really good tight end draft. Um, and then last year they drafted, uh, I don't know. I don't remember the, the specifics, but they've tended to go against it. When when it's a deep class, they don't always go with that position. So maybe they'll piss me off this year. But um, yeah, I just can't imagine they would get through the entire draft without adding somebody. Uh, they tend to grab a safety late at least. And none of these guys, I mean, you know, McDougal's good. He's got some health issues. He's probably not a long-term solution. Thompson has a lot to prove. Hill has a lot to prove. So to get through the draft and not add anybody um, would be really disappointing. Yeah. Evan or, or Jeff, uh, any different thoughts there? How, how big of a deal would it be to you if they don't add a safety one way or another? Yeah, no, I, I think Tedrick Thompson is a real liability. I think he's a real problem. I think when Pete was asked about the safety situation, I think it was either today or yesterday, the first person he mentioned was Delano Hill. He didn't. I don't even think he mentioned Tedrick's name. And for Tedrick to have so much hype from this coaching staff and fellow players, his peers – you know, this past off season, I have real concerns about Tedrick ever being a real contributor. Um, but I would branch it out even further and quickly note, I'm worried about the, about the cornerback group too. Justin Coleman walked. Who's your nickel corner. Okay. Sure. You signed a King King for 1.4 mil. I actually think he has some potential, but you're talking a King King, uh, Jalen Reed, I think is his name. And then some other random corner. I don't think I've ever heard of in my entire life. I think they need to add to the DB group because if this is the starting group come the beginning of the season, they're going to get a let up all year long. Yeah. I mean, uh, you can feel free to jump in on the safety one there, Jeff, but switching to cornerback as well. You know, Pete today talked about on the John Clayton show, um, you know, he, he did mention Akeem King and he talked about that, you know, Hey, Justin Coleman's a guy that we brought up and, he grew with us, and we think there's some guys on our staff that uh, the roster can grow. He, he mentioned Kalen Reed, but he talked a lot about Jeremy Boykins, um, six foot two, 183 pounds. Um, he was a an undrafted rookie at a University of Central Florida last year, same as uh, Shaquem. Um, how would you feel if if they don't add to the corner spot? This is for you, Jeff. Um, I would be, I would be concerned. The one area on the opposite side of it is Pete is probably the best coach in the league at developing defensive backs and evaluating talent that position. I know when Maxwell came up and Jeremy Lane, who had a couple of good years, those were not name brand guys. They were like six round picks that had developed slowly at first, mostly played special teams. So maybe some of these guys can develop into that kind of player. I know Walter Thurman's hanging around the staff doesn't look like. So I'd like to see them spend a fifth or sixth rounder if they end up getting one of those on a corner, a developmental guy, push outside guy, push the corner, somewhere like what they used on Trey Flowers last year. I'd be concerned because Shaq Griffin really took a step back last year. Trey Flowers is a physical player, but there's not a lot of playmakers in the secondary. We mentioned the safety problem. Tedrick just hasn't shown any ability to like pick off passes or make plays on the ball. So if you combine the whole secondary, there's just not a lot of playmakers on this unit. There's some good hitters. McDougal shows some flashes, and Delano Hill is more of a box safety. So if looking at the corner group, Trey Flowers is really the only one I'm pretty confident in right now. Shaq, I need to see more in terms of ball skills, and I'd like to see them invest that fifth-round pick, sixth-round pick, that bolts this 
boosted this group. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I've been definitely pounding the table about upgrading and not being satisfied with their corner group and especially their safety group. And if I only had to choose one, if I could only choose one, safety for me, for sure. I I feel like there's such a downside risk there. I think Tedrick Thompson is not a starting quality safety. I don't think he's replacement level, you know, and I think that Delano Hill, I have some hope for um, just because I think his athletic profile is a little more interesting um, but it feels really risky, um, where they are at safety. And so that's one that just, I got my head scratched a little bit about what they're doing there. And there's so many veteran safeties that they could be waiting in and, and having picked one up. I'm just kind of surprised that they haven't done that so far. So we'll see, hopefully they find something in the draft. Uh, it is a, a safety rich draft. So, so that's good. I'm like, I, I trust them more on cornerback. I think they've earned that. And so as much as I don't, I really feel like Shaq, uh, Shaquille Griffin took a step back last year. And I think my opinion of his ceiling took a little bit of a step back as well. Trey Flowers, I think came on. And I think you could argue maybe he was the better corner by the end of the year, um, which is saying something. Um, But, you know, look, they've got Simeon Thomas, who they kept around for some reason. He's six foot three. They've got Akeem King, who's six one, has played some safety and made some nice plays last year. Um, and you got Boykins and you've got Reed. Um, Boykins again, six two. So Boykins stood out to me in training camp last year. I wrote about him a couple times. So you know, it wouldn't shock me if if you know he is he's like a stronger version of Jeremy Lane. Um, like a little bit more athletic ability from my point of view. So um, if, if, if that's a guy that they're talking about, um, you know, it might, it might turn out to, that that's not the worst thing in the world if they go with the corner group that they got. And they brought back Nico Thorpe was another move we didn't talk about from free agent position. But, I mean, he's really a special teamer. He's not a guy they depend on as a corner. So anyway, that, that's kind of where I see that. But the other piece we talked about is is pass rusher. And, and one of the moves that's been – rumored uh, is Nick Perry from from the Packers has been supposedly visited the Seahawks and there's John Clayton was reporting today he believes the Seahawks are leaning towards Perry instead of Aaron Lynch where the two names that have kind of been thrown out there as rotational pass rushers um where's your head at there Jeff on on what you hope this, the, the team does do you hope that they sign one of those guys do you hope that they just rely on the draft do you hope they do both I would say both. I think Perry would make sense from a number of standpoints. One, he was released, so he wouldn't count against comp picks. Two, because of his injury history, he'll probably be a lot cheaper than Lynch would be. And the familiarity with Pete, who recruited him at USC, it's kind of a buy-low flyer situation. And I think it's kind of a no-brainer, assuming he can pass a physical. I think the upside's there. He's had some really good seasons when he's been healthy, but he hasn't been healthy very much. And I'd also like to see them supplement in the draft. It's a really good defensive line group. It's probably the strength of the whole class. I don't think it's their biggest need. If they really believe that Jacob Martin can take that step forward, I think receivers are their biggest need. And we'll get into that later. I think that's a, that would be the first area that they need to address to me. But all year we've been saying their pass rush is too reliant on Frank. They haven't added anyone. We thought the free agency class would line up for something. They were, didn't seem to be in on Houston. Doesn't seem like they're going to be in on Sue. Ansa has got a bad shoulder and doesn't seem like they're visiting with him. So really Perry's the only guy really I can see 
Lynch is a UFA and maybe they don't want to pay the price to get him. So I think Perry makes the most sense and definitely supplement the draft as well. Yeah, same question to you, Nathan. Um, you know, how would you feel if they you you want to add a Nick Perry? Um, you know, do you want to do that and the draft? What, what what's your point of view? Uh, I'd like them to grab not necessarily Perry, but you know, one of the path rushers that's still out there. Um, I'm kind of thinking that with their limited draft capital, that maybe defense. I mean you got to see how the board falls and all that. And they'll have a better idea of that than I do, but um, maybe not looking at defensive end this year. Um, you know, Pete talked about Jacob Martin. Um, he was promising. They did take Christine green last year. He was promising in the preseason kind of disappeared in the regular season, but path rushers take time and he was expected to take time anyways. And you already have Frank. Um, so if you could get somebody that can kind of, you know, like a Nick Perry type or a professional path rusher type, um, hopefully get some, you know, health out of them and see a little development from the younger guys that you already have, then, you know, save on the draft capital and, and look elsewhere for, uh, for spending that. So yeah, Nick Perry, um, price is probably right with him. You know, if, if they just kind of fit, I think that they should be patient at this point with whatever they want to do. Um, see what happens with answers price tag and, you know, um, Sue's a defensive tackle, so they probably that's a that's a different deal. But um, they seem to want to run stuff for there anyways, based on what Pete said today. So uh, yeah, I think a vet pass rusher supplementing what they have and then hoping you know kind of banking on growth makes sense. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know Evan that you're cheering for the Seahawks to sign anyone that was a Packer because uh, mm -hmm. it's your second favorite team. But I, you know, I. I think the Perry move makes a lot of sense. I think that for the reasons Jeff mentioned in terms of the comp pick, that's always great, but he's got a lot of upside. And as long as, you know, I, I can't imagine that they would give him a big long-term deal of any sort. I think it would be a one year prove it deal with probably not a lot of guarantees and a lot of incentives. And the guy had double digit sacks a couple seasons ago. So um, why not? Um, why not bring in a guy like Nick Perry? I think it depends on price. I think there's major incentive for him to come to Seattle, to be quite honest. He's never played on a squad with a, with a franchise quarterback. So he has that going for him in Seattle. Um, he had seven sacks in 2017. Like you said, uh, either broke his leg or tore an ACL in 2018. I'm like game four or five or something like that. So, you know, he's only like half a season removed from a pretty productive year. So if he's somebody, I feel like, I know a completely different position, but he's he reminds me almost like of a Bradley McDougal type where he may have fallen through the cracks a little bit. And if they can get him in for the right value, absolutely do it. I think I think banking on Jacob Martin, okay, I'm normally the optimistic guy, but I think banking on Jacob Martin, Frank, and Rasheem Green to all be contributors this year is kind of risky. I think I can only I think you can only reliably declare one of those guys, Frank Clark, as being a contributor for next year. Jacob Martin, yes, he looks, you know, um, promising, but he could take a Shaq step back. Like, I hate to be all pessimistic here, but I just, I, I don't know. So. No, I think that's right. And I, I mean, there still are some names out there that are, are worth kicking the tires on. Adrian Claiborne. Um, I mean, these aren't guys that are going to like necessarily, I think, Perry, if he's if he's healthy and and can be out there, 
he's a frontline pass rusher. Like that's why he's appealing to me. But a lot of these other guys are fine veteran situational. You've got Adrian Claiborne still out there. Aaron Lynch, you know, who's younger, but um, is there Cassius Marsh, you know, joke or not like the guy's good special teams player and can get you, you know, four to six sacks in a season. Um, uh, Dion Jordan is not the worst idea in the world. You know, he was, he was injured most last year. Who knows what, what his situation is. They, they probably know better. Another name we haven't talked about, but I I've always found to be decent for the Rams was Matt Longacre. Um, I don't think he's again, huge upside, but he's 27. And again, we're looking for a guy that can get you three to five sacks, um, in a situational role. So, I mean, and Benson Mayo is still out there as well. Um, these are all guys that could potentially fill a, at least give you a little bit of, of a, a safety valve um, and not be completely dependent on those guys hitting like Evan's talking about or, or but, having but some let's be, draft. Let's be honest, though. They have a few positions of need. And, you know, I mean, no matter all those names you rattled off, if, if they sign any of them, they're still banking on Jacob Martin and Rasheem Green. Like we're talking about, like you said, that like, uh, you know, three to five situation, three to five sacks from situational pass pressure. And so these younger guys are going to have to step up, even if they do end up spending the first round pick on a defensive end. These guys take time. Defensive ends don't pop in terms of sack totals right away, usually. Right? I mean, Frank was pretty rare in that respect. So they have a first and then they have a third, fourth and fifth round pick. They'll trade back. But the idea that they're going to pick up a couple high picks is probably not realistic unless they do something like trade Frank Clark, which then you're kind of right back where you started. So, you know, if we're concerned about safety, if we're concerned about cornerback, if we're concerned about defensive end, we're going to talk about wide receiver. I'm sure in a little bit, they only have one high pick to address, you know, to really go out and majorly address these positions. So like it or not, they're banking on, Jacob Martin. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think everything you said, I agree with everything you said. And the interesting piece here, guys, is Pete's, you know, calling out that, yeah, we need to go get a, a run stuffing defensive tackle. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, I mean, we've heard like Earl Mitchell's name come up and, and stuff like that. I, I, we've already seen them spend one high pick on a run stuffing defensive tackle and Reed's turned out to be more than that, but they traded up to go get him. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the idea that they, you know, again, that, that one pick, do they trade back into the early second round and then draft a uh, Christian Wilkins or whatever the run stuffing defensive tackle is that's there? Like, yeah, maybe, maybe that's where their first round pick goes. If, if they have like, if these like their six or, you know, some later pick and draft, uh, uh, what's the guy from Washington, Greg Gaines. Oh, he's going to go sooner than that though. I think I would love that. <laughs> I think he's going higher than that though. Yeah. That guy's got a massive noggin and we need more because we've lost Sebastian Janikowski. So someone's got to fill that role. But if they're looking for beefy UW defensive linemen, I think they're already visiting with one, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, why don't you share the name there? Uh, Danny Shelton, I think they had in for a visit. Uh, Did they really? I, uh, yeah. They're, or they were linked to them. I don't know yep. what exactly happened there. But yeah, I, I like that. Um, I mean, especially run stuffing defensive tackles are probably only so important. Um, they're certainly only so important. But uh, Shelton is undoubtedly good at it. And uh, 26. I mean, yeah, young. Um, I, he's never going to be, you know, a total. He, he's he's not a pass rusher, but he's, um, 
I mean, when he came out in the draft, he had some really impressive short, very very phone booth type quickness, very small small area quickness. But he can he can move a little bit. Um, so you know maybe there's an opportunity for them to develop a little bit there and get something more than just a a big body. Yeah, and they they've done well in the past, like bargain shopping and free agency for that spot. They got Alan Branch and Tony McDaniel, and even uh, Ruben, Atuba Ruben. So a guy like that, Shelton kind of fits that mold in terms of like a guy you can get on the cheap. I would not want to see them use their first pick on a run test stopping defensive tackle or their second pick. That would be stupid. Are either of you is anyone on this this pod hoping that they wade into the Indomitian Sioux uh, waters? You know, okay. even if that that cost them a comp pick as a result. For sure. Yeah, definitely. What comp pick would it cost them? Well, what's he, what do you think he's going to sign for? I mean, let's let's talk about that yeah, for a second. That's, I, I would sign him for the right price. What's the right price? I'm worried it's like low teens right now. No, oh, then I'm out. You can get him for like, like seven, eight million. I'm worried his number is like 10, 11, 12. What did he get last year? It wasn't 14. one did year. He really, last 14? year? 14? Yeah. And the Rams have closed the door on him. Why is that? Just because of price, or was he no, not? They, they were not happy with him last year. I, I remember I said it a couple weeks ago. I heard some stories that Wade Phillips and him just didn't get along. He was like begging him to try at practice. Jesus. Yeah. So I mean, right now the Seahawks are uh, a three or four, six and a seven. Um, and believe it or not, the seven they've got is because Brett Hundley was signed. Um, it's, it, <laughs> It paid off. Yeah, they they traded their sixth last year or their sixth this year for a seventh next year for Brett Hundley. So, uh, okay, um, but uh, yeah, um, yeah, Jason Myers canceled out the JR Sweezy, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think Coleman was a nine million AP average per year, um, and Earl was thirteen point four. So, I mean, if, if Sue is, you know, 9 million or up, you're losing a fourth or a third round pick. I'm not interested for that. Hell no. He's not a long-term solution. He'll be there two or three years and I'll be gone. I, if that, I, don't, I think they should stay out of that water. Nathan, you were the most bullish. If that's the cost, you still in and why? And why? So I, I don't, here's something I don't understand about the comp pick formula. Do you lose like uh, an equivalent comp pick? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'll show you. I'll, I'll uh, tweet out the, uh, the over the cap um, article on it. It's, it. It makes it easy to see. But yes, you do. We should. I think we should just clarify oh, yeah, yeah. and set the stage. Yeah. Okay. I think so, we should just clarify though for any anybody listening that we don't know the comp formula it's a it's a secret nfl thing and over the cap just reverse engineered it to the best and they're pretty accurate about it actually. they've been like yeah almost perfect with it yeah and you're right yeah i see this here a cfa gained by a team cancels out the highest value available cfa loss that has the same round valuation of the cfa game so that's um confusingly worded but yeah so uh no, then I would not. If it's going to cost you your third or fourth round pick, I would not. If you can get a, if it's going to cost you your sixth or uh, whatever they, you know, one of the lower round comp picks, then uh, yeah, sure, go for it. Got it. Yeah. So I think I mean, 
Um, uh, Timmy Jernigan's out there still. Um, he's another, he's an interesting player. He's 26 as well. Um, Muhammad Wilkerson's out there. He's 30. He definitely didn't have a great year for the Packers last year, but he's been a difference making defensive tackle. Um, and who knows? We joked about this last time. Won't happen with the Seahawks, but it sure sounds like Malik McDowell believes he's going to play again this year. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Do you think that that you know Drew Rosenhaus, for people who don't know, know um, his agent came out and said that the Seahawks could never clear him um, physically, but that they have an independent medical professional who has cleared him to play and he expects to play this year. Um, I, you know, what, what's your take on that, Jeff? Like, what do you think's going on? When Pete heard the report this week. He made a very snide reference to the only doctor clearing him was Dr. Drew, which was Rosenhaus, which is his agent. So I have no problem with the Seahawks erring on the side of caution when it comes to an injury like this of this nature, that ATV injury, that's about brain injuries, head injuries. I have no problem at all if they're erring on the side of caution. If their doctors won't clear them, then I can't rip them for that. It would be frustrating as hell if he comes back and goes to Dallas or something and it's like a game wrecker uh, that would be the worst thing ever but everything that's come out it's hard to blame them it seems based on his body based on his reaction it's hard to blame them for evan how would you feel if if um, malik mcdowell came back and played for another team this year i want to be very clear about some takes that i've seen on twitter recently of course we all want to see malik healthy of course we want to all see him playing football having a successful career but i've seen some takes flying around that Seahawks fans should be thankful for him to play for him to be able to play football on whatever team in the NFL. Bullshit. Bullshit. If he plays for the Cowboys and he is successful and he ends up getting a an amazing contract and he is a game wrecker, I'm gonna be pissed. You know why? Because the Seahawks spent a freaking second round pick on him. The Cowboys did it. We did. We spent a high second round, almost first round pick. Yes, I want Malik to be successful. Yes, I want Malik to be healthy. You know where I want him to do both? In fucking Seattle. That's my preference. That's my take. Stop telling me I don't want him to be successful or healthy in any other city. We spent a second round pick on him. He should be successful here. It will, it will piss me off to no end if the doctors clear him. And I, I understand the whole caution thing, but it will it will drive me to be in a mental insane asylum if he is successful in Dallas. Nathan, I just I I mean the ship has sailed. I'm I, I, it'll be really frustrating if he does go on to be successful elsewhere. But I'll still you know I, you know I think you I do think you have to wish the best for him. I mean, this is just one of those freak things that happened to happen to the Seahawks this time. And I don't think it's worth really getting worked up over no matter what happens. I, I mean, really it's just wish them well and hope for the best. And that one's water under the bridge. Uh, Nathan, I'm pretty worked up about this. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. I get it. Like it is infuriating. Like, I mean, yeah. it, it's hard too. Cause you really can't be mad about it. And sometimes that just makes me all the angrier because it's like, it sucks as a second round pick. He potentially could have been very good. Like I, I wasn't a big Malik Dow, McDowell guy, but I got it. Like I saw why they took him there. And so it's a really, it's a bummer thing, but you know, I think 
it's it's probably a, it's definitely a lot worse for him than it is for any fan or you know whatever. So for sure, water under the bridge on that one. I, I, I it's not worth losing much. Have you guys seen? I know this is a random tangent, but have you guys seen the pictures of him on Instagram? He like, Yeah, he does not look like an NFL player right That's now. That's what I was saying. Yeah, if he has been cleared by doctors, and these pictures are real, which is never a given, but uh, uh, yeah, he's whatever his health status is, he's definitely not you know throwing up much weight. Well, you know what's going to really set Evan off is if he actually comes back as a Pro Bowl safety. <laughs> <laughs> We all thought it was going to be Earl that we lost to Dallas, but uh, they've been looking at Malik McDowell for safety this whole time. Six foot nine or whatever he is. Uh, it's going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> enough, enough about that. Like, I, well, I, I actually not enough. I will just say I hated their process and how they got Malik McDowell on this team. I didn't like – I've been very clear on, on that. I didn't like their trading back multiple times to, to make that pick, regardless of who they picked at that spot. Um and then uh, I actually really respect the process since. So I think the Seahawks have largely done right, um, you know, from an integrity standpoint there. And I think they've been trying to figure out a way to get them on the field and eventually, you know, just decide this was not going to be the thing that made sense for, for, for him. And it's almost like they're making the, the, the decision, trying to make the right decision for him. And uh so I give the Seahawks credit for that. And and to Nathan's point, if he goes on and he succeeds somewhere else, you know, I'll be happy for him. I think the damage has really already been done, um, you know, for for that choice and, and how they made it. So um, that's just – as a Blazers fan, I've lived through Sam Bowie and Greg Oden and, and other situations, so I know what it feels like to just sit with the suck. And uh, that's what we're going to have to do on this one. Um. So, there's other things that came up um, that we have not talked about yet, and we've touched on it briefly, but wide receiver. This is a big question for this team. And as of right now, uh, what we know is Doug Baldwin's already had two surgeries, and he's going in for a third for a sports hernia. And Pete Carroll has gotten progressively less optimistic in his takes about Doug Baldwin and when he will come back or if he will come back. Um, you guys know that even during the season last year, I was making, uh, asking questions about whether Doug really seemed like he was going to come back. I, I have questions about that, but, um, let's for a second, assume let's take this for a second. assume. Let's assume that Doug Baldwin is not going to come back. That's an unpopular take, but let's just assume that for a second. What you're left with is Tyler Lockett and David Moore. And one of the most disturbing things that I heard Pete Carroll say today on John Clayton was how the team did not take advantage of Jerron Brown and how he's a good player, which had double concern for me because it means that they're not going to cut him, <laughs> uh, which I really think they should. Um, and two, that they sound like they're interested in doing something with him. The other receiver that he mentioned was... Nathan, you can't guess because you were listening. Jeff, did you hear this? Yeah, I know the answer. Evan, do you care to guess the other receiver that Pete mentioned? Oof. Cringe-worthy. Uh, I have no idea. Jermaine Curse. It's a good guess, but no, Amara Darbo. Oh, no. 
Oh my god. He had a very uh coach speak. I mean, he brought him up, which always says something, but what did he say? Uh it's a, I've got the thing here, but something like uh was very competitive. Like <laughs> But he brought that, him up. I mean, he did bring him up. He said his name, that always means something, but like it wasn't like he was uh really talking the guy up or anything. I will say I have more interest in what Caleb Scott can do than I do in what Amara Darbo can do. I actually think Caleb Scott's got a little bit of upside, but I mean, this is, I will read down the receiver crew, Malik Turner, Caleb like Scott, Keenan Reynolds, David Moore, Tyler Lockett, Amara Darbo, and Jerron Brown. And that's if you assume Doug is not part of the picture. Guys, where, where do you go from there? And let's start with you, Evan. Um, I know your first move is to bring back Jermaine Curse. What do you do next? Number one, do not catch Jermaine Curse. He is old, he is washed, and he cannot catch football's skins in the National Football League. Down that conversation real quick. I would I know, much I, rather have Jerron. I feel like I saw Jermaine Curse catch like a bunch Nathan. of – Game-winning, NFC Championship game-winning touchdowns, a Super Bowl oh, really? touchdown. Oh, really? Uh, did he cause in the NFC Championship game? How many drops did he have in Super Bowl 51? How many picks did he set properly on the one-yard line, Nathan? He catches balls. He can catch footballs. He does it. Yeah, at a 10% rate. No, 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 no. It's it's He's easily not, okay. four times yeah. that much. Yeah, you're just getting me worked up about about Jermaine. I will not get worked up about a receiver who does not matter. Um, what was the question? Were we talking about receiver? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what do you do? What do you want to do? It's a problematic group. Um, I think your I think your concerns about Doug being healthy I I think are are real and his cap hits are big over the next two years and. And they're like in the 13, 14 mil range, I'm pretty sure. Well, so, so let, let's play the scenario out if, if we're going to be real, real about this. So we're saying that Doug's not back. Let's assume that you get wh whatever cap number he he's he's associated. You get some cap for that, right? I mean, he's – I remember right. It's like 9 million or I – I can't remember actually. But it's some chunk of change. Um, you know, while, while Evan's looking that up, I mean, Jeff – do you go out and sign a like Jordy Nelson came in and <laughs> decided to retire? You got Jermaine Curse. Um, there's guys like Terrence Williams out there, Chris Hogan. Um, uh, you want to take a, a flyer on Martavis Bryant? Uh, you know, some people have talked about Des Bryant, who I'm not particularly interested in. Uh, what do you? What do you? What do you do there? Uh, I said it before. I think the number one draft priority this year has to be wide receiver. I think the Seahawks have to operate under the assumption that Doug won't be back. And even if he is, that's just a big bonus to you. I think that's a smart way to plan. I don't think assuming he would be back would be good planning just from a, that injury standpoint. And if he decides to walk away, Mark Garofalo seemed to be hinting potentially that. And I was surprised. Pete didn't seem very bullish about Curse when he got asked about him this week. He seemed to like bring up how he had kind of a bad season last year <laughs> he did which is not pete's style i'm not even no. trying to lower the price i don't know but curse has made it pretty clear he wants to come back and garofalo mentioned him too but to me i, I would pen my resources in the draft and uh i think moore and brown are fine if they're your 
three and four receivers. Maybe you're bringing a guy to compete with those guys, a Curse or a Hogan. To, if you can get them cheap, you know they can play at the very least. But to me, I know Nathan's mentioned a couple guys on Twitter. Hakeem Butler's a guy I'm really, really high on. I know Doug mentioned uh, Terry McLaurin. I don't know. He's a guy that really fits what the Seahawks look for in terms of like special teams play, big play potential. If you move back from 21, he's a guy you can spend an eye pick on. I think just in terms of even Pete talked about today about how the passing game needs to improve. And I think receiver, even if Doug is back, they have to get better at it. We don't know what David Moore is. He seemed to fizzle down the stretch. John Brown kind of is what he is. So to me, that's the biggest thing. You got to spend a high pick. This draft is good from round two to four to receiver. If you move down to round two, that's the area you need to address. I think it's a must. So you do not get a free agent. You just go draft. Listen, if you can get a free agent on the minimum, a guy like Hogan or Curse to bring in, it's not going to impact you. Why not? They have, they have the bodies. They have the space in the roster. But there's no one I'm prioritizing. All these guys have slipped through the cracks in a passing league. There's a reason they're unsigned. So if you cut Baldwin, you save close to $7 million this year. Next year it's $11 million, so not as much as I thought it was. But there are some intriguing free agent names actually still under, still out there. Uh, you guys might hate me for saying this. I'm not sure we should completely pass over Michael Crabtree. I think we might or maybe should take a look at him. Uh, had 650 yards last year with the, with the Ravens. Uh, three touchdowns, not many touchdowns, but – you know, 11.2 yards average per reception in line with the rest of his career. He's 31, but hey, why not take a stab with how bad the group is? I actually, I am 100% bringing Des Bryant. What did he sign? Like a minimum deal with the Saints last year? Are you telling me you're not going to bring in Des to compete on a minimum deal? I'm so down for that. I don't, I don't see the justification against that. Um, and hell, if you really want to, you want to do an Eddie Lacy 2.0? You can look at Kelvin Benjamin for for league minimum. You know, there I think there's some names out there that the, uh, are worth inspecting. Is he going to get introduced to Dix Burgers, and how quickly is really the question? Well, the good news is Dix isn't good, so he'll actually repel himself pretty far away from his joints. So uh, he's lucky. Know, he, he's lucky he, he he would he if he played for the Seahawks, he would live in a city that doesn't have very good burgers, so it could actually help his diet quite well. Not true. Not true. Very don't, true. Very don't start, true. Don't start this. There's Red Mill burgers are outstanding. Just because you can't eat peanut oil does not mean you don't know. I almost died there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For people that don't know, we were all sending Evan to Red Mill because they have the best burgers. And he got there and all, I think either ordered or almost ordered and found out that they use peanut oil. And he is definitely allergic. So. There was like a 30-person line. I get to the front of the line, and I see the sign right behind the cash register that says, all made using peanut oil. And I'm like, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, they are good. Their shakes are not bad either. The whole thing there. It's a, it, uh, Red Mill is a good, good meal anytime you can go. Um, Nathan? I, I am, I'm going to still be on an island on this one. I know no one's going to agree with me, and that's okay. Uh, the receiver that I'm most interested in them, like, spending uh, some free agent dollars on and not many is DeAnthony Thomas. Uh, I still find him an interesting player, and I think that he's young enough. He has some upside. I'd be interested to see what what uh, he looks like in, in this kind of offense. Um, I'm not – Super opposed to Jermaine Curse. I just don't know that that there's 
much interesting there. Um, to to there's not a lot of upside to it, so uh, I don't have a, a, a bunch of interest. I, I think I'm generally with you guys. I'd, rec- I'd really like to see them invest in the draft there. That might be that might be my number one priority in the draft for the team would be receiver. And I don't often say that. That's not a position I usually prioritize that way. But I think their cupboard's pretty bare. So, what would be your approach um, on the free on the free agent side and in the draft for for the receiver spot? Yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of the same discussion as defensive end, right? Like, um, I think that wide receiver needs to be a higher priority because they don't have a Jacob Martin or a Rasheem Green kind of in the pipeline. You know, they've got David Moore um in terms of kind of useful talent that might be around for a little bit and i like more but he has some warts as well so they need to get some talent in the pipeline so going that way higher in the draft makes sense um whoever you sign whether it's from anchors or michael crabtree or d'anthony thomas or whoever uh you know you're still going to be relying on you know a jerome brown or david moore or something like that um and even if you take somebody high in the draft you know receivers take a little bit of time so you're probably not getting a lot there so you know, hopefully what we saw kind of in the preseason from John Brown, they can maybe recreate that a little bit throughout the year and kind of get something out of him. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of good receivers in this draft. You know, you could even get, you know, an Emmanuel Hall or a Terry McLaurin or some of those guys um, a little later. You may not have to go really high to grab somebody like that. Um, another guy that's interesting is um, David Sills. He's a um, a deep threat kind of guy, a bigger body deep threat. They haven't really had somebody quite like that. Um, that I can think of off the top of my head. So he's interested in another guy that you could wait a while on. Um, so I don't know that they necessarily need to go high, um, you know, wide receiver, uh, although that would be fine. Um, I think it'd be good. But yeah, finding a way to infuse this, this group with some talent, some long-term talent, because even if Doug comes back and he's healthy, I mean, he's going to be on the wrong side of 30, right? You're not going to be getting a lot of years out of him. Um, Jerome Brown's only signed for this year. He probably is gone, you know, and then whatever, you know, plug and play guy you grab, that guy, probably a one and done type deal too. So they really need to address this position and make sure it has some talent, um, for it for a few years and they've done a good job of that in the past right like they had tate and they had baldwin and they had rice and then they had richardson and they had um uh baldwin and they had uh you know kirsten there um and so they've they've kept this position pretty well stocked um and i think that they need to go back to it why did you why did you name curse in that good position group because curse was a very solid wide receiver for them who uh you know Played well for them for a number of years. Interesting. Brian, yeah. where are you at on more? Really, David Moore? Yeah, we did a show in the middle of the year. You were talking about him as like a pro bowl. Yeah. Upside, uh, pro upside. So I have a different take on him than I think most people. They're like, everyone's like, hey, he disappeared. And the, the assumption there is that that was you know, solely due to his performance. I think that he definitely slid. So he, he did not step forward. He was gaining momentum and that, that stopped. Um, I think that uh, some of it was just on, I think, how he's utilized as well. But look, that was his first year really getting utilized in the system at all. And I think he flashed quite a bit, a lot more than um, a number of receivers do in their second year. And from a from a athletic profile standpoint, he has everything. Like he's really, he's a really talented player. So 
I think his upside is, is his ceiling is still the same place. I, I still think he can be a really, really good receiver. Is he guaranteed to be? No, but um, uh, I think, I think he's a, a really interesting prospect. And if he was to get all the snaps that, you know, um, we're going to Brandon Marshall and, you know, other guys last year and they consolidated all David Moore and they found some ways to, to get him the ball more often, especially in space, which I don't think they did very well with any receiver last year. Um, I think he's got more to, more to give um, for sure. No pun intended. So um, like one of the things that I really believe that the Seahawks offense and Shadi's offense should be exploring is you can be conservative as they seem to want to be and pass the ball. If you look to give guys opportunities to run after the catch and pass into space and do short passing. And with guys like um, JD McKissick with, if he's healthy, which no one never thinks he's going to be uh, CJ Procise, And with a guy like David Moore, I think you, you give those guys an opportunity to make people miss in space. And I think there's and Tyler Lockett fits in that camp too. Uh, I think that they can make short conservative passes and potentially get some really interesting gains from them. So uh, yeah, it's a long answer on more, but, but that's kind of where I see him. He hit 32 combined yards, his last five regular season games. Yeah. But on how many targets? Let me see. His catch rate tanked at the end of the year. It did. But if you look, go back and you look a lot of them are like, deep balls where Russ is throwing it into the stands or like there weren't a lot of plays where he was just like having the ball hit him and he was dropping it. Like that happened a couple of times, but a lot of those were not catchable passes. Um, when you're primarily a deep, deep threat, your, your catch rate is going to be lower. Yeah. Let's see here. He had four, ten, uh, 10, 16 targets over his last five games, brought in four of them. I mean, I, you're right. Uh, he got some of those, you know, cursed targets where it was like wrestlers just had to go somewhere with the ball. I don't think there's any reason to be down on David Moore, um, but it, he's still got a, a long ways to go. And and I think you're absolutely right. Like for where he came from second year, you know, first real time getting major action, like it's all positive. It's all good stuff, but he's still a long ways from being a real solid contributor to this team, which, you know, doesn't mean he can't get there. It doesn't mean he can't get get there this year he could make that jump but he has to make a, a significant well jump. let me put it this way between david moore and jerome brown who do you want getting more targets yeah it's just depends on <laughs> where david moore is in his development well of what you know there's just nothing on the line tonight i mean as as a fan and as a somewhat you know well educated fan, where would you where would you hope that the the team prioritizes targets between those two players? It wouldn't surprise me if Jerome Brown is the better player next year. I'll say that. Like I I don't I mean obviously I would if you're if I get to pick I would say I would love for David Moore to get like a ton of targets next year because that probably means he took the jump and you know all that, but. If I'm being realistic about it and I'm trying to let, I, like, yeah, if Jerome Brown ends up getting the more of the, if you just told me right now that Jerome Brown, you know, out snaps or out targets David Moore next year, that I'm not necessarily going to like go into a rage about it because there could be some very good reasons why that would happen. Yeah. I, I, I have a very low opinion of Jerome Brown. Um, 
you know, I just I thought he, he in the preseason he looked like he was going to be a guy that was going to be getting ten targets a game and 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 contributing heavily. And maybe that's on the OC. Maybe that's a shoddy thing. Maybe it's a Russell thing that for whatever reason he wasn't you know prioritizing Jerron Brown. I did not see Jerron Brown getting open very often and um, his touchdowns, even that he, he caught a number of touchdowns, like five, but a lot of them were scramble drill kind of like randomness. There was no talent other than him just being right where Russell threw the ball um, in, in most of those situations. So I don't think I saw almost anything from Jerron Brown that made me think, yeah, let's get him some more targets. I saw a lot from David Moore that said, yeah, get him the ball more often. Um, so to me, it's pretty clear cut, but Evan, I don't know, you're, you're nodding your head. I don't know if you have a point of view on this one. I would just go with the younger guy who I think has higher, higher potential. We, we know that David Moore's ceiling is higher than, than Jared Brown. We know, we know, or drawn Gerard, whatever his name is. Like, I, I think we know, him. For Evan. <laughs> we, we know his ceiling. We know who he is and, you know, he might be a solid contributor next year, but I care about the next three, four, five years, I care about the the relationship built and developed between Russell, the quarterback, and him. So I, I would probably lean on the higher upside guy. Well, and I think that you're absolutely right too, Brian, about finding ways to get more um, more in more of the ball in space more. Uh, more uh, <laughs> this is breaking my brain. Uh, they need to he is good when he has the ball in his hand and he's running and trying to make football plays. Like he's a big, strong, physical, fast um guy and so if they're going to actually incorporate some of that into their offense then that's the more that he could instantly you know get a lot more targets and be productive without really changing him you know developing anymore or anything like that he, he could be a very good player a very helpful player um if they can you know use him that way i don't i, th I think like you said i don't think we saw anything from shoddy um that says that they're going to do that. Um, that was something that I was hopeful for. One of the few things that I was really hopeful for with Shadi is that he, um, when he, in his time with the Jets and I think uh, with the Rams too, you know, he found, he found ways to get the running backs, the ball um, in the passing game. But we saw that a lot with like Mike Davis and two minute drills where Mike Davis would, you know, run a yard past the line of scrimmage and turn around and they would hit him and, you know, they get like four yards uh, and, you know, the clock would keep ticking. And so um, I haven't seen much from Shoddy beyond that. So I don't have a lot of hope for that happening. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm guessing I'm the only one on here uh, that, that did a little uh, fist pump when uh, Pete Carroll said, yeah, we're hoping that CJ Procise takes Mike Davis's snaps next year. I was like, yes, him and everybody else. But like, <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've talked a lot about what Pete Carroll uh, has said recently without the disclaimer that it is lying season right now. Uh -huh. um, you know, they're, we're what less than a month away from the draft and all that stuff. So um, Pete Carroll is lying constantly to us as much as possible. Uh, so we should keep that in mind. Yeah, but CJ Procise is going to be sweet. They have that secret CJ Procise package, right? They <laughs> saved it. Great. Um, all right, fellas. Anything else we missed? Um, you know, we got the draft. We're going to do some some draft uh, work coming up here soon, but. Any other items that are worth uh, spending a few minutes on? Do we want to talk about why Jason Myers, the Jason Myers contract is bad? I know this, maybe we're just beating. I kind of hit my reasons. If you've got more reasons, I'm all ears. 
No, I mean, the big thing is that he was almost the exact same kicker he'd been his entire career uh, last year, except that he had a he made six of seven kicks from over 50 yards, uh, which is more than I think he'd attempted um, at any point in his career to that point, and certainly more than he had made. Um, and so there's reasons to expect that to regress. Uh, long, long field goals. Oh, no, actually, he took 12... Uh, he tried 12 kicks of 50 plus yards in 2016 and made seven of them. Um, so big swing in his accuracy there. Uh, it's almost completely uh, uh, count, accounts for his improvement and it's unlikely to continue. Okay. I have a follow-up question. Actually, I have two follow-up questions. Nathan, number one, yes or no answer. Is it possible Jason Myers gets better in 2019? No. It's not possible. I mean, he could, uh, yeah, sure, he could make 100% of his kicks. Okay, follow-up question number two. Why do you hate optimism? <laughs> I, I just that prefer realism. And you're the dude that was crapping on Jacob Martin, a guy that's actually, like, gives you oh. a reason to be optimistic. Come on. I'm just being a realist, Nathan. <laughs> no, I, I think you guys are completely wrong about, on the Jason Myers signing. Seriously. Well, here's the thing. Jason Myers can end up being a great kicker for the Seahawks. And from my perspective, I will still be right. Like, it is, about, it is about the process of the decision that they made here. It has nothing to do with the result. And I, I, I would not. Uh, Similar I, to the result of the Seahawks being the number six offense in the evaluating process instead. Huh. Nothing to do with the <laughs> They're actually, it's like a really, really weak. We'll get into this I'm later. Not, I'm not going to dive into that one. But, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think that that you should never be spending meaningful free agent dollars of any sort on a kicker. I just don't. I don't believe it. The same way you should never spend a first round pick on a running back. Like I, I just don't think that that that's a defendable roster management decision. I agree with that, but I think even if you don't, you, like there are people, especially like I like I get the whole thing. Like they, we would just live through Blair Walsh and Sebastian Janikowski. Like give me the the dependability of a uh, of a good kicker and all that. But like there's reasons. Even if you think you can, you should pay kickers. Even if you think they should have like made a big push for Goskowski or whatever, whoever you like. There's reasons why they shouldn't have paid this kicker. Like there's reasons to be concerned about Jason Myers going forward. So I think whatever you, whatever your philosophy is on paying kickers, I don't think you should do it. Uh, there's, there's reasons to think they shouldn't have paid this kicker. And by the way, uh, when you know that the player is like hall of fame quality, then it is worth doing. So that's why Michael Dixon was worth a fifth round pick. And I was super excited about that. <laughs> Jason Myers is not clearly going to be a Hall of Fame kicker. So uh, that's the difference. And I'll go ahead and throw Sean, Sean from Seabeck. He would, I'm sure, chime in here and, and say, too, that punters are actually probably more valuable than kickers. And the pay scale here is probably reversed, that punters should be getting paid what kickers get paid and kickers should get paid what punters get paid. And so that's maybe a little bit more uh, uh, support for taking Dixon where they did. It, I love that. I love that. And I, I will just add a little bit more to that, which is I think that Dixon, for all the love he got at the beginning of the season, I think he ended up being one of the 
most underrated aspects of that Seahawks season. He helped the offense. He helped the defense. Um, you know, he was worth hundreds of yards um, compared to where the Seahawks were last year. And uh, I think he ended up being worth a significant number of points as well. Um, so he was great. Yeah. Um, all right, Jeff, anything else you got before we wrap it up? Yeah, quickly, I'm just, I ran, I pulled up our uh, round table from February of things we'd like to see the Seahawks do in this offseason. There's still the draft. There's still some signs they can make. But I just want to quickly see if they've impressed any of us so far. So Brian's three were pile on an area of strength. No. Don't rely on the current secondary. No. Dream bigger than Fluker and Sweezy. Is that a yes? Uh, they get a passing grade there. Okay. They at least got cheaper. Yeah, they got cheaper. Evan, make a change in special teams coach. No. Hire Cam Chancellor to assist the DB group. No. <laughs> Run smarter. Remains to be seen. Likely no. I bet all my money. <laughs> <in there. laughs> uh, Nathan, make Russell the focal point of the offense. What do you guys think? TBD. TBD. I'm going to say no. They're stupid. Uh, <laughs> be more aggressive in turning over veterans. I yep. guess if you want to give them a little credit that it sounds like they explored a Frank trade. Okay. Doesn't sound like this is going to happen. Who knows why? But they, they, it does sound like they explored that. However, Pete did say today, Bobby's a Seahawk. They signed KJ right back. They got him on an affordable deal. I'm willing to give them a little bit of a, the benefit of the doubt here. But yeah, leaning towards no. Okay, and then no trades for high-profile vets. They passed there. That's one of the few they passed. Okay, my three were consult with Warren Sharp. They definitely have not done that. Um, find first-round talent in the draft, if possible. And then find a long-term solution at kicker. I don't think that's been done yet. I don't think – they found a, a – they signed someone, but who knows what the hell he'll be. I, you know what? I, I will get throw Evan. I'll throw you a bone on this one. Um, a lot of people are like, man, we really blew it last year because we had Myers in camp and then we let him go. And now look, we're having to pay him all this money. Everyone realized that if we had kept him, we'd still be having to pay him all this money. Right? Like he was not on like a multi-year deal. Like if he had played last year and played well, we'd be paying this probably more than we're paying him right now. Or does it change their approach that if they had had a cheap kicker in here that they had kept and then done well with, that they wouldn't feel the need to go solve yeah. the position? It wouldn't have because the Seahawks don't learn from their mistakes. But it wouldn't Come have been a mistake. You, uh, it wouldn't have been a mistake. It would have been learning from their success. No, what the Seahawks do is they overcompensate way too much for mistakes. And I do exactly. think that that's probably fair. And so I think that had they kept Myers over Seabass, they may have still believed in that process of just trying to kind of turn through kickers. You know, the, the reason I would not agree with that is because what they've done consistently is when a young player performs, they try to pay him. And so Hauschka, he was a he was an undraft, you know, he was a free agent, a very cheap signing, and he played really well. And they get, signed him to what, two contracts? Um, so I, I think when they have a young player that's a high performer, they try to keep him around. Um, but in any event, point the major point here was the Seahawks are certainly not paying any more, I don't think, than they would have if they kept Myers. And what I've said before, Myers did not win that job. The Seahawks, people say they blew it by not keeping him. 
I watched training camp. I watched preseason. Like Janikowski was 10 times more consistent and had a better leg than Myers. That absolutely factors into my evaluation for how likely it is that he's going to regress back to his typical self um, this year uh, in Myers. But hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully he turns out to be great. And hopefully, you know, I will happily eat humble pie if Jason Myers turns out to be a really good kicker. There, like, there's, there's some reckoning that has to happen here, right? Like, they need to either fire, uh, what Brian Schneider, like, because that they had these guys in camp, like you just said, and and they picked Janikowski, and so either they fucked up the eval, or uh, their special teams coach couldn't get out of Myers. Like, if you think that Myers actually improved once he got to the Jets, then their special teams coach couldn't get that out of him, right? Like whatever comes of the Myers signing, you have to look back at this and say, we had these two guys in camp and we picked Sebastian Janikowski. But, but do you, I mean, like the Broncos had Hauschka in camp and the Ravens, like Ravens had Hauschka in camp and he sucked there and he sucked at the other place. And then he was like one of the best kickers in the league. Like, I think there's some randomness to when kickers like mature and find their groove and find their swing. I don't know how much coaching really has much to do with it. They, well, it sounds like coaching has nothing to do with it because they literally don't coach kickers. Like kickers, yeah. just they're either good or they're not, and nobody like it's like there's not literally not. no instruction or. But I just think that there's whatever. Like I'm not saying maybe they don't have to fire Brian Schneider or anything like, but there's a learning opportunity here for sure because you turned around and you cut a guy that you then turned around and signed for like three more three times as much this year. He'll be making three times about three times as much as Janikowski made last year. There is no question that Brian Schneider should have been fired. I just don't think that's the reason. <laughs> no, but like maybe that's maybe that's another log on the fire and or or maybe there's just something that there's something that you have to look back on this and say, okay, whatever we think of Jason Myers, whatever we think of this contract, there is a learning opportunity here. We need to get better because of this. And it was pretty telling that the Jets didn't really make a push for him. They didn't think his performance was repeatable. And from what I understood, they lowballed him. They gave him like a minimum offer. Yeah. So the one thing that Evan was optimistic about, we've now just we've we've acted like a toddler in the Ernst household and just turned it into just all over it. So um can't get away from this. <laughs> um yeah, so look, I think in general, um, all of us were B or above so far for the, the Seahawks uh, offseason moves to date. That's not bad. Um, definitely could have been worse. They've got a lot of uh, nasty takes going on in this group, but but uh, I think that I think it's safe to say that the moves that happen from here on out could greatly impact that grade. Obviously, the draft is way more important than what you do in free agency in most cases, unless you shoot yourself in the foot in free agency. And they've got some, like some of their best moves come in these last few weeks of free agency. Um, you know, and they might be waiting for, what is it? May 15th when you can sign players and not affect the comp pick formula, something like that. So um, off season still right in the midst. So uh Thank you, everybody that's tuned in. It's been great uh, coming back, talking Seahawks. We will 
be back here in two weeks, uh, hopefully at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. And uh, until then, please make sure you subscribe to the pod on YouTube or on your favorite podcasting channels, Spotify, uh, iTunes, Google Play, and so forth. Um, and join on uh, the Patreon, uh, patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Hawk Hope to see you there. And uh, until then, go Hawks.